When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to talk about how some people value stuff or material possessions, and some people don't, and how one way isn't better, and the sort of conflict this causes in couples, and um, what, how to reframe how you think about your partner's perception of stuff. Uh, before we get to that, please do subscribe. The most recent subscriber only episode was on dysfunctional families and how people who understand that their families are dysfunctional from, you know, from childhood are in a slightly better place than those who don't. And I will describe uh, the various, you know, phenomena that I see around each each of those two paths surrounding family dysfunction and your awareness of it. Anyway, okay, so let's go to the topic at hand. So there was an interesting conversation in my Facebook group, which you should subscribe to. That's a separate subscription, remember, from Spotify, because those two things are not linked. Facebook and Spotify aren't linked. But if you want to join the Facebook group, we talk about a lot of interesting topics. I engage in there a lot. Um, the, The link is in all of my episode descriptions to join that. So anyway, there was an interesting discussion about stuff and, um, you know, somebody who uh, was more of an HSP, highly sensitive person, was saying basically kind of stuff doesn't matter, live below your means so then, you know, you, you have security later on and you can really enjoy the fruits of your labor, you know, later on in your life, you know, and this is a common sort of thing, you know, with the, there's a whole bunch of, I've talked about this, the financial independence, retire early, Reddit, FIRE uh, acronym, and Mr. Money Mustache, and all of these different people who think that, yes, like you should uh, not buy a lot of stuff, you should never buy a new car, you should never, you know, uh, have, your mortgage should never be too big, and instead, you should basically be saving up so that you have security for later on and the same sort of people generally think that experiences are better to spend your money on better in quotes than stuff right so that if you were going to travel let's say that would be a better thing to do than buy a new car okay so like this is kind of a philosophy that you know sounds pretty good it sounds like it would be like healthier or something than than another philosophy of buying the new car and uh, buying the big house right um, so let, let's set aside the idea of security. Let's assume that somebody wants to work um, and feels they will be able to work. And uh, I know, of course, anything could happen at any time to anybody. But let's just uh, say that it's a more usual situation where a person says, okay, you know, I, I really uh, want to buy a lot of stuff and I want to work until 65 or beyond to pay for it, you know, and I have a thriving career now. And you know what, I, I let's say, have enough money, really, um, even 
even if I had to retire earlier than that, I would have enough money, right? So then it turns into like a philosophical sort of debate. And that's what I see in a lot of my clients, where one partner thinks that it is shallow to spend money on things, and the other person thinks that it is it is not, you know? And the person, and this really relates a lot to my podcast on class, when one person wants to jump to the next socioeconomic class and have all the signifiers of the next class and the other one doesn't. And next, I mean the higher class. And you could go back and listen to that. But it's interesting because it's just like religions or it's just like any belief system. When I'm working with couples, the idea isn't to say like that one way is better because why? Why is one way better? If somebody wants a new car, it could mean many things to them. And, and I say this really transparently as somebody who who is more like the, the former person, the person in the group who, who wanted to live below their means and have like a crappy car and, you know, not the biggest house they could afford because they like to save or invest or or what have you as a security that that's how I personally identify with my Dodge Caravan you know as cool as that car is you know but um over time, you know, I've realized it's really just a belief system. You know, it's it's something that that works for me, but it's it's just really a belief system and it doesn't have any greater value. It's not right or wrong. There are plenty of people um, that I work with in couple, you know, when couples fight about this stuff, there are plenty of people who are just as happy buying a new car as the other person is saving money or going on a trip. I mean, it's pretty obvious that there would be different sorts of um different sorts of things that give people joy and it's really like a love language it's like a gift love language the people who like stuff it's like they have a gift love language and the gift is an expensive thing you know they like it you know and it's it's really it could be based on culture it could be based on how they grew up all of the things I talked about in the class podcast so like if you never had a car you know, I didn't have a car growing up um, until I was uh, a teenager. And so to me, any car is good. But there are people who would have an exact opposite perspective that since they had no car at all, they want to have the best car. And they get a lot of joy out of having the, the you know, an awesome, like a Porsche or something, you know. And so that's that's not bad. You know, that is what makes them happy. Why not? You know, like really, why not? And it's... It's um, it's the sort of thing where it's easy to get on your high horse and it's easy for the person who likes the things to look down on the other person as like a joy, joyless buzzkill. And it's easy for the person who likes to save to say that the other person is irresponsible or shallow. But those things aren't real. Those are just a way, a lens through which a person views an opposing belief system, really no different than how Republicans view Democrats or Democrats view Republicans or what have you. So what you need to do if you are in a marriage where uh, you have differing perspectives on this is you really need to try to dig deep to empathize with your partner. And you need to look at the origin of why they feel as they do, you know, and that can make you understand them a lot more. Also, just even a love language framing can make you uh, understand them a lot more because, you know, love languages, there's no one that's like um, better than the others. I mean, I've said personally that I think physical touch is the most important in a sense because you cannot outsource it. That is, um, the, it's the only one that you can't get from anybody else, especially sex, you know, but um, that aspect of the love language. But um, 
in terms of the other love languages, you know, you're not going to get too far saying to a therapist, uh, you know, like my love language is words of affirmation, hers is quality time, so mine's better, so I think we should just do words of affirmation because like hers is kind of stupid. Like obviously that seems ridiculous, you know, the entire point is just to understand your partner better. And the way that you think about money should be, um, more in this framing. You're trying to understand your partner better. You're trying to see why they think as they do. You're not trying to train them to think like you. You know, you're trying to maybe reach a compromise, certainly, because one person wants to spend 50K on a car and the other person wants to spend 10 on a car, you know, that's going to be a pretty big difference. But the compromise can be reached much more quickly and with less hostility when both people are trying to deeply empathize with the other. So there are a lot of people who think, for example, men who are more in the financial independence, retire early sort of uh, mindset that think that their wife is shallow for wanting to go shopping. And when we really talk about what shopping means to her, they change their mind. You know, and I've seen this happen, Uh, like somebody who says, you know, I never had the right clothes and I didn't really fit in. And the only times that I remember being happy as a kid were once I had my first job and then I got like the right jeans and the right shoes and the right, uh, you know, shirt. And I finally looked okay, and I fit in and it was such a relief. And and I, I want the kids to feel like that, that they can always fit in too. They don't have to be a pariah. And, you know, it's just something that brings me joy is that I have the ability now to keep up with trends in a way that I never was as a kid, right? Because I didn't have the money and, and or my parents didn't value it. That man then feels a hell of a lot different about his wife shopping. You know, because he can understand it. He can empathize with how she grew up. He can think, wow, you know, I've seen pictures of her when she was a child. I'm picturing her, you know, like at that age, feeling like she didn't fit in, feeling like everything was terrible and that nobody uh, looked at her like she was worth anything because she didn't have the right clothes. And I could see now why it's a source of comfort. And you know what? I'm proud of myself that I can make the money to give it to her or that we together make the money that she can then be happy in this room regard. You know, and and what about the other perspective? So somebody who thinks, let's say, that his wife is a joyless buzzkill because she's always wanting to hoard money. What if he understands why, why she values, let's say, uh, the, the, all the money going into the retirement account if she saw her parents have to depend on, you know, the handouts from the person and their siblings and not have any flexibility and always be so anxious about money or if she saw what she felt was irresponsible spending by the parents. There's always going to be a reason. You know what I mean? There's always going to be a reason that somebody has their worldview on money. There's not a good way. There is not a bad way. You know, as long as somebody makes enough money to keep up with their lifestyle, you know, this is, we're not talking about somebody who's like gambling away the family finances or somebody who is unemployed, but uh, just, you know, leased a new car, you know, not talking about that sort of thing. We're talking about a situation in which, uh, in reality, people would be evenly split. Some people would say, yeah, man, you made it. Go go get yourself a Range Rover. And other people would be like, oh, sure, definitely sock that away into retirement. We're not talking about a situation in which 99% of people would be like, that's irresponsible spending. So when we're not talking about a situation that's in the extremes or seems pathological to the, you know, the casual observer, then you've got to just consider it a difference in belief systems. And a difference in belief systems, there's no right and there's no wrong. 
You know, it's so important to understand that, that it really is just like a Catholic person saying a Jewish person is wrong or vice versa. It's there, there is no right or wrong. There is just a philosophy of money. And the best that you could do, the best thing for your marriage to do is to understand the ideology, the development of this uh, worldview about money. Because once you can understand where it's coming from, you know, then the person seems so much so so much um, more sympathetic. The, your partner becomes a sympathetic character instead of somebody who is basically threatening your way of life with their philosophy. And so instead of being against each other, it's the two of you, not one against the other, but both of you on the same side against misunderstandings about money. So it's like the couple is coming together and saying, we don't want to have any more misunderstandings about money. We want to deeply understand each of our individual philosophies about money, where they came from, and how they could possibly work together. You know, maybe we could get a car that isn't quite as new, but isn't a clunker, you know, and isn't like the the most practical, cheapest car on the lot, but also isn't, you know, a new, you know, Lamborghini, right? I mean, there's like, there's something in between. Or maybe we could do some experiences, but we could also, you know, get the kids the new video game console, you know, or or what have you. So the point is to look at uh, most things, almost all things are just believable systems that were passed down or that we created in response to a way that we were raised that we didn't like. Some people just wholly take their parents' belief system, which is another understandable thing. So like, for example, you're thinking, well, yeah, but I mean, my my husband, it's not like he was raised poor or something. Like he was rich. Family's rich. They're all just spoiled rich people. Just buy whatever they want. Yeah. But like, a, first of all, it's pretty fucking understandable then, isn't it? You know, that he's not out to get you, that this is like a philosophy that has worked for his parents, you know? And also, like, still, you can get deeper what spending money means to him. What does the new car mean? Maybe, truly, he is at his job uh, that he really doesn't like. And the thing that he really derives joy from is knowing that that job can buy him a new car. Maybe he loves the new car that much. I mean, really, people love cars. (laughs) I mean, it seems silly to people who don't, but sure, people love houses. People love cars. People love jewelry. You know, nowadays, people, more and more young people are saying they don't want a diamond for ethical reasons or whatever for an engagement ring. They don't even want an expensive ring at all. But like 20 years ago, it it would be... um, It was just a totally different culture. And of course you had a diamond for an engagement ring. Of course it was understood that that was obvious and there were these rules like two months salary for the man should be the engagement ring or whatever. And now there's just a totally different philosophy around it, you know, and people uh, just don't care in the same ways. And so it's not like that was wrong then and this is right now and diamonds or or expensive non-diamond rings may come back into favor in the next generation, who knows? Uh, And they still are in favor in many cultures. But the point is, any time that you can see your partner as um, having a philosophy that originated in their upbringing, you know, and oh, by the way, so what are some, just back to what I was saying before, just in case you're like, well, what about the rich guy who's just a spoiled rich guy? A, maybe he works purely for the joy of buying the things, which is like having a gift love language in reality. Maybe he has wonderful memories of engaging with these things with his family and wants to pass that down. 
for real. I mean, people love things. If you're not a thing person, it'll be a real um, mind blower to kind of realize this. A lot of people have wonderful memories of things. They really, really do. You know, they have wonderful memories of, of their family moving into a big new house and how it was awesome and their friends thought they were the bomb and it was they had parties at their pool and like the fact that their parents were able to upgrade to a new house was considered awesome you know I mean that's that's a thing that's like a real thing and so that person then when they get older they want to give their own child that that experience but if you were raised and to look down on massive expenditures and your parents taught you to live below your means and y'all uh, never uh, upgraded a house and you just I say upgraded again in quotes and you stayed in a smaller house than your peers but let's say you thought that that was good and your parents were making a good decision you really respected your parents and what they told you of their financial decision and philosophies, then of course, both of you are going to be on your high horse about the other one. You know, I'm watching this show, uh, Fleischman is in Trouble, and it really speaks to this issue a lot. It's a really good show uh, that you guys should watch about, um, about, it was based on a book about the, the, you know, Fleischman is a title character and he's divorcing or has divorced his, his ex-wife and they have a lot of philosophical differences. There's a lot of stuff that I talk about um, in terms of relationship issues that it's interesting to watch the show and see how that manifests in the couple. So that is a recommendation from me and talks about this. And of course, um, a million other, you know, media uh, to talk about the financial disparities, you know, and, and financial fights and different philosophies around money in couples. This is not like a new idea, but hopefully uh, this podcast episode gave you a little bit of a different way to think about it, somewhat less judgmentally, which is always really, really important when you're trying to get along with your spouse is not to be on your high horse and not to think that your philosophy is somehow better or healthier. All right. I'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.